When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? It's Dorothy, and you're listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rocks. Welcome back. It's the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope your day is going well. Uh, ours is certainly going great. Snow is on the ground here in Chicago, and Christmas is about a week away, so we're getting excited for that. Hope everyone's getting their Christmas shopping in. Once again, I'm Jay Scott of the Hook Rocks, and we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. I always mention all my friends on Pantheon. Like Tom and Zeus on the number one rated Kiss podcast, shout out Loudcast. We just did our sidecast, the Led Zeppelin Chronicles, where we break down Led Zeppelin three in its entirety. We talk about the songs and what was going on with the band during that time period. And don't forget to check out Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Great podcast there. And um, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie, the legendary DJ. Aaron and Chris from Decibel Geek, they're getting ready to do their Rockin' Pod in March. And Ron and Esty, Vinny Apice, and Carmen Apice on the Hangin' and Bangin' podcast. So check that out, too, as well. You can find them on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Pantheon Pods. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to The Hook Rocks wherever you podcast and set your app to automatic download. We're available everywhere. We've been doing this now for three plus years, three and a half years. We've got over 400 episodes approaching 450. We've had some amazing episodes as of late. We just had Dorothy Martin from the band Dorothy on. She was a great guest, very passionate and very 
Um, just an incredible personality. So I think you'll all enjoy that episode. We also talked about bands and artists to watch in 2023 with Carl from New Classic Rock in North America. We welcomed Jason from the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Philippa Nazil from Thunder Mother talking about the Scorpions tour that they just did this past summer and fall in North America. The importance of the rock t-shirt with my friend Fossil Man. He talked about his collection, the 250 rock t-shirts that he purchases at shows that he goes to. He definitely supports all the new artists and new bands by doing so, and you should too. New Music Spotlight also with the Moon City Masters, Jordan and Taylor. We did our live album review of Judas Priest Unleashed in the East. And GA20, the great traditional blues band who's got the number one or had the number one rated Billboard chart blues album. So check that out. And Devon Allman as well was on, as well as Tuck Smith and Tyler Bryant, the New Roses, Jax Hollow. Plenty of stuff for you to listen to during the holidays when you're off from work and you're just chilling. We've got another fantastic new music spotlight with a band from the UK that I've been wanting to interview now for like over a year. And the schedule's just, you know, my schedule has always been full. And I finally was able to reach out to him. Finally is able to connect with Will Preston, the singer of the great new emerging rock band from the UK, Black Legs. What's happening, man? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. No complaints here. You know, uh, as we talked before we got on, just getting ready for the holidays and, you know, doing all that stuff and, and finishing up strong here on the podcast with some episodes here at the end of the year. But glad to have you on. I'm glad to be on. It's uh, It's really good to be asked. Thank you very much. Well, we always start the same way every time we have a new first-time guest on the podcast, and that's really what we're all about with the show. And just like every great rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, so I think for me, uh, I have an older cousin who sort of steered me away from pop music he, he gave me uh the album ignition by the offspring uh and it was my first my first sort of real taste of uh that kind of aggression uh and uh that led me to go and check them out live for the first time and uh i remember sitting there in the audience not knowing really it was my first gig first proper gig and um I wasn't really familiar with the whole concept of, you know, support band, main band, etc. And uh, it was it was AFI uh, supporting Offspring that night, and they came out to this belting classical music, and I just I remember the electricity just run through my body, and then Davy Havoc just came out in this ridiculous tight leather <laughs> like you, you know full on goth stage of his life like and i i just thought what is going on and it was so incredible that the moment they started that first song i was like i need i need to do that i need to do that with my life and then, and then since then i've been pursuing it where did your journey go from that moment you were so connected with it you wanted to do this what came next for you Oh, I mean, I was quite young then, so there was a, a very long period of, of nothing at all, uh, I'm afraid to say. I, it took me uh, another maybe five or six years before uh, I sung for a 
band that didn't do anything. We just, it was just a few friends that got together in, in one of our houses and we never performed. We never did anything other than that. Um, it wasn't until uh, like after university really that I moved to uh, one of the major cities in the UK, Bristol. Um, and that's where I first started a, a band um, and had a real taste for it. Um, and as, as bands do, they come and go. And it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. Unfortunately, we 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 had a good run, but it it, it didn't it didn't take off. Uh, and when that band broke up, I put an advert out saying, you know, singer singer looking for band, and swiftly forgot about it. And it actually, I don't even know how James from you know Black Lakes came about it. It was years later that he found that uh, and sent me a message, um, just out of the blue one day, and I'd you know, completely forgotten that advert existed. And uh, basically I'd moved on at that point. I was like, well, it's not going to happen for me. That's fine. I will, I'll, I still love music. I still love being about music. So I, and I've always loved writing. So I started doing a little bit more music journalism um, and trying to interview some bands and all that kind of stuff. And and was having a good time with that. And uh, yeah, here, here comes James offering me a, you know, a chance to try again. And uh, yeah, the rest, as they say, is is history. <laughs> From that moment you saw Offspring till the moment you know you found yourself in this band with with Jason the Black Lakes, um, what other influences were you developing? What other bands were you listening to? Where was your journey going after that? I mean, obviously, you said you know there was a lot of nothing, and yeah, and maybe in terms of performing, in terms of being in a band, but you're listening, you know, you're listening to music and you're being shaped by what you're listening to. What was that about for you? Like, what was the, what were those moments? What, who were the bands that you really started to dive into? Sure. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if you can see in, in, in the darkness of the layer that I'm in, uh, behind me over there, there is a CD rack that is yes, I see it. Yeah. Few, few thousand CDs over there. And, uh, you know, there's a scene in, uh, high fidelity, where yep. John Cusack's trying to arrange his albums autobiographically. Now, I'm not at that stage yet. They are alphabetical, but they're not autobiographical. But I'm sure at some point in my life, I will try to attempt the same thing. Uh, but there is, I, I've always been uh, incredibly drawn to to music, to musicians. Um, so obviously, Offspring was my first taste of that sort of harder guitar sound. Um, and then I was in love with the sort of not pop punk because i think offspring took a little while they, they were kind of flirting with pop punk for a while there with the americana album and things but before that they were definitely considered a more punk sound uh i remember going starting college and uh one of my friends at college was really into cradle of filth and uh i just couldn't i couldn't understand it i couldn't understand the appeal the the guitars didn't make sense the the screaming vocals there was nothing about it that made sense to me. And it wasn't until uh, he played me a cover of Hallow Be Thy Name that Cradle of Filth did of the Iron Maiden song. And I was like, actually, there's something there's something here. And that that led me down a slippery path of being into bands uh, like uh, Cradle of Filth, Children of Bodom, um, that, you know, that more aggressive sound. Later, that's things like Lamb of God. Um, but there was one band that sort of really turned me on to that heavier, that heavier noise. And I think it's probably the same for a lot of people around my age. And that is Corn. It's an interesting when you mention 
how music is autobiographical from that movie, you know, High Fidelity. And when you think about your history with music, each individual has their own history. You think of the music you listened to when you were young and then as you got older and then you certain periods in your life, you're listening to this. And it's amazing how when you when when something comes up or there's a memory from years ago, how you associate music with those memories in in that sense of it being autobiographical, right? I mean, you, you, music is essentially your, you know, your, your partner in life and songs mean certain things at certain times and songs help you reflect on certain things. It's, it's such a powerful thing that I think a lot of people who are just casual music, musical fans don't have that connection as someone who's really, it's part of their soul in, in music. There's, there's certainly, um, at least one song on the Californication album by Red Hot Chili Peppers that I still don't listen to <laughs> just, just because of its place and time in, in my life. I can't hear that. I can't, I can't comfortably listen to scar tissue. It does. I mean, it's also interesting how songs evolve with you as we evolve as people, right? We evolve through ex- different experiences, different periods of time and like a song that, you connected with years later, maybe doesn't connect with you in the same way, or maybe a song that didn't connect with you at all suddenly sounds like a brand new song that you never appreciated, but wow, this is such a a powerful tune and it becomes your favorite song for that artist or that band. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, there are, I'm, I'm a real, I'm really bad for dismissing an album on first listen. Uh, Well, I have been in the past and I, I've got to a point now where I will deliberately give things a third or a fourth or a fifth chance because I know, I know myself now and I know there are bands that I'm super excited for the album to come out. And then when it comes out, I feel super disappointed and I'm like, well, this is nothing like the last album. You give me five months and ask me again and I will tell you, I will fight you about how it's their best album to date, but I have to get myself there each time. Yeah, it does take a few spins, right? I mean, I usually don't put an album down to at least three or four spins uh, before I actually start to settle in and and, and make a you know, decision on the album and how I feel about the album. You know, I kind of let it sink in. You know, kind of it's kind of like you know, like when you when you're making like a a steak, you let it like you know, you, you prepare it. You let it sit in whatever you're trying to cook it with and everything. And it's kind of like music. You know, like you said, you hear an album for the first time. Okay. It sounds all right. Second time. I like this track, like that track. And then it just keeps going. It keeps going. But if it doesn't connect with you at that moment, four or five spins, three, four, five spins into it, it, maybe it's just time to put it down. I think there's a difference between the way that maybe you and I consume music um and not to age myself but but younger people today uh because of streaming services i think it's it's a lot easier to give someone one chance and then move on to the next band because everything's so disposable you know you, you put out a single which may have taken you months or thousands in terms of finance but someone else is going to listen to that and go that's great what's next and and i think that's that's something that we're up against now as as a band is that uh that willingness to to listen once 
and move on, to consume and go on. Spotify makes it so easy to, uh, you know, anyone can pay enough to get their song added to a playlist. And that's, that's great. But when we were younger, if we loved a single, we went and bought, we went and bought that album. And because we'd put that money in, if we weren't that keen on it first time, we'd listen to it the second time, the third time, because we were going to get our money's worth out of that album. And eventually you grow to love those songs. And like you said, those are the songs that become that soundtrack, that autobiographical soundtrack to your life. Because some of those, some of those albums, when you look back now, you go, Oh, that, that is not a good album. But you know every word to it because you made yourself learn every word to it. You made yourself love that album because you paid the money for it. And, you it, you know, when you were that, that young, that money mattered. It's also about options. You know, when you go on Spotify or any streaming service, you have millions of songs at your fingertips, right? So if you listen to a song once and it doesn't grab you, you've got another song to listen to very quickly. Whereas years ago, when you bought an album, you bought one album at a time, maybe two. If, you know, if, if you got some Christmas money or some birthday money or whatever. And like you said, you know, you brought it home, but that's all you had. Like you had the albums that you bought previously, but there was a thing about putting the cassette in the player or putting the vinyl on the record of the CD in and sitting on your bed and looking through the liner notes, looking at the cover. And just listening and listening over and over again. You didn't want to keep getting up and fast forwarding or getting up and, you know, because you just, you know, it got tiresome after a while. So that's really all you had to do. And that album essentially was a babysitter for you. You know, when your parents were doing whatever, you were in your room listening to music. They knew where you were because they could hear the vibrations on the wall. And but that's how you consume music back then. And that's why it became so important now you know, if you don't like something, you can just click to the next song within 30 seconds or, or a minute. There's just, it's it, it's too much accessibility, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if I don't like something, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly like Spotify. I have it, but I don't have a subscription. So if I don't like something and I want to skip to the next song, I might have to listen to a 30 second advert for Honda. So I'm more yeah. likely to listen yeah. to it before I move on. As far as writing music, when you put, pen to paper and you're writing lyrics who are some of your influences in that aspect of music it's an interesting one we um so a lot of our songs we don't tend to um not emulate other bands i think that's the wrong term but we don't we don't sort of look to other bands for uh inspiration in terms of content um we we try with each song to pass off some form of social commentary or uh, to express a feeling that we are feeling at the point where we're writing the song. Um, <clears throat> you know, on the, on the first album, there's, I, I mean, we dress it up in hooky metal or alt rock, but there's a lot of anger in there about the, the current state of, uh, of the UK especially if not the world um you've got songs you know the opening well not the intro but the opening main track avarice is you know avarice is the the definition of avarice is just this extreme greed or you know for for wealth or material gain we we're really looking at what it is that really gets our backs up as a collective and trying to take aim at that 
um not not in any misguided uh idealism that we may we may make a difference but but more that uh, you know the this is about getting off our chest this is about as a collective as as five people what it what what's really upsetting us at the moment that we want to about and if if anyone wants to get on board with that if anyone feels the same then then great we've you know we've got that connection um and that's that's sort of where we draw our influences from i mean the first album's very vast in terms of the different songs and, and where they pull from you know that there there are things that, that are happening now uh there are songs about uh being in a in a complicated relationship be that an emotional one or you know an em- employment one there there's a song about a uh a effectively about a mining disaster in, in wales that happened 56 years ago um called landslide um but but we deliberately try to leave the songs as as open as we can in terms of we don't say this song is this because we want people to be able to listen to them and to bring their own narrative uh, and connect to those songs in a in an emotional way that that suits them you know when you're providing a social commentary on things that you feel are important. When you talk about your journey, you talk about lyric writing, how did you arrive to that approach where really, which is what shaped you in music and now it's shaping the band? Like, where did that come from? Sure. I mean, so for, for me personally, when, um, as I've grown up and I've gone, I've gone through punk and I've gone through corn and, and then I settled on, uh, my, my favorite band of all time, which is a band called him. Uh, and, uh, so when I joined the band, the Black Lakes, uh, a lot of the lyrics that I was putting forward were sort of not quite in keeping with, I think what the rest of the band were hoping for. There was a lot of stuff about, you know, relationships members of the opposite sex and complications and i think we we sort of sat down one day and started working on a new tune which which was dissident which ended up being the second single from the album um and i wrote some lyrics for that song based on the idea of being in a a difficult relationship uh that was that was broken down but that you couldn't leave based on personal experience and it wasn't until uh, we got it in in sort of. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have a thing called the three way shit filter. So myself, James, and Scott uh, used to get in the room and we'd say, right, any lyrics that I write, I've got to go through the three way shit filter, which is where I'll put something forward, and then James will say, ah, but what about this? Or Scott will say, how about if we insert this idea that I've got here? And it wasn't until anything had gone through this three-way shit filter that we came out the other side and went, right, those are the lyrics. Uh, and that could happen for any one of us. Scott could write down a, a couple of phrases and we'd work from that as, as well. Uh, so Dissident for me started off as this song about a relationship and ended off being a song about defiance and rebellion and the opposition of authoritarianism. It's, it's uh, so for me, personally my songwriting has has sort of been expanded by being lucky enough to be in a band with with people who who push me who challenge me and say yeah you know 
you had a bad breakup, get over it. Let's talk about what's going on in, 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 in politics right now. And, and that, that was something that I'd never really wanted to explore before because I was nervous about, well, who, who wants my opinion? Who cares what, what Will Preston thinks about what's going on in, in, you know, wherever. And actually it wasn't until the guy said, actually we care and we want to, we want to work on this with you and we want to see where this goes that it, it, sort of um, opened up that avenue in terms of uh, songwriting. You know, when you're writing about the stuff that you do approach as a band, there's that balance, you know, becoming or or, or with those types of topics of writing about the things that you feel very important, uh, that you feel are very important. And then there's trying to maintain where it's not too preachy, right? So how do you balance that? It's it's certainly something that we've talked about a lot, um, especially now uh, we're, in the, we're in the process of working on the second album. And there are definitely some of the songs that we're working on and writing are very, very heated, very definitely inspired by certain events. And we're still conscious of, like you said, not wanting to be preachy. Like, it, it may be how I feel about it, but I'm only one person. It may be how we feel about it as a band, but we're only five people in this very, very crowded little globe of ours. And we, we do what we can to give the message that we want to give whilst not being deliberately vague, but using terminology, which leaves it open for interpretation. So, you know, I can write a song about being angry about the cost of, of my my food that I've got to buy to survive um but we will deliberately write it in a way that leaves it open for you to hear that song and think yeah they're angry about the the, the cost of my internet just like I am you know just we we try really hard to make sure that we can not we don't want to alienate people that aren't necessarily angry although we you know I can't understand why people aren't as angry as we are about certain topics but we we it's not about mass market appeal but it is about trying to communicate to people that that it's okay to feel angry about these things and actually it's about how we tackle them as a a collective rather than just being isolated in our anger and feeling you know there's a there's a fake superhero in the latest grand theft auto game called impotent rage and you know they're they're absolutely brilliant at doing that kind of political and public satire, and I think they got it they got it nail on the head. Everyone, when you look online, they're so angry about everything, but the way they feel that they can tackle their anger is to put that post on Facebook, and they're like, right, well, I've done that, so that's that's that world problem sorted. On to the next, and actually, it does nothing. Um, so we we are very conscious about not wanting to push to the sidelines people who may also care about the things that we care about or care about something that that could easily be aligned to what we care about and and not that we're going to affect change you know that's a bit above our station to say that we will affect change as a band but you know what i mean it's about uniting yeah. people with a with a message and and hopefully hopefully making a difference to somebody there's always the keyboard warriors out there right that have this selective rage on things 
the most important thing to realize if you choose to do that, that activism is not typing letters on a keyboard and going after someone on social media. Activism is doing right. And, and, and not just shouting from the, from the tallest mountain, right? There's that old saying that I love those who speak the loudest know the least. And when you see that, cause you know, we're all on social media, we see people going after each other. And I think we've all, done it at some point right i think it's just human nature that somewhere down the road we've gotten into it on twitter with somebody and when you like walk away from it you're like why the hell did i just spend all that time doing that because it doesn't matter like that doesn't matter your 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 twitter arguments your facebook arguments don't matter it's doing that matters and i think people are get confused about what really is true activism yeah, I think it's that's a lesson, you know, in terms of what does and doesn't matter online and, and how you deal with people is is certainly something that we've had to quickly learn. Uh, you know, um, up until recently, we've we've tried to do a lot of what we do as a band on our own. And we recently um, partnered up with a, a decent PR company for the first time. And, and we we sort of handed over some of the reins for advertising to these guys and some of what they they do is tried and tested so they know that they'll get some buy-in some results from from pushing us in a certain way and for us who've been diy since day one it was it was a steep learning curve to you know to go from having you put a post up on on facebook and you'll have 30 or 40 people like it and the the most uh you know the, the fans that are always there will comment and then all of a sudden we had you know, however many thousands of people engaging with this post mm-hmm. and, and, and not all of them had a good thing to say about our band. And it was, it was a very steep learning curve very quickly to be like, you know what, actually that's, that's okay. That like, you're all, you're all right with that opinion. And we went, we went from uh, sort of screen grabbing each negative uh, comment and posting it in our little band chat and going, Oh my God, this guy, this, this, fucking guy to being like you know what every single one of those that comes up we're just gonna be like thank you so much for get, like thank you for watching the video and giving us your feedback you know it's it's invaluable in the long run you just, like just to know that you didn't like it is cool because at least you watched it and you gave us that three and a half minutes or whatever it's and and it's been a it's been valuable to learn <laughs> very quickly that uh not everyone is going to agree with what you've got to say or or how you sound when you say it we talked about balancing, you know, social commentary with preaching. I think a band that really does it very well and sharing their perspective, but not getting preachy, preachy is Alter Bridge. You know, when you really dive into their lyrics, it's very interesting, you know, how they share and what they write about, but it doesn't feel like they're telling you what to think. They're just sharing what they see in their perspective, which is really interesting. And I think they really do a good job of kind of, you know, towing that line of balance of, of, of remaining, I don't know, you know, neutral, but giving their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, you can't argue with their sort of level of success that they're doing a very good job of being able to portray exactly what they want to in terms of their message, whilst at the same time, not, not, rubbing anyone the wrong way by by giving that message and i think it's 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 an impressive uh it's an impressive feat really yeah i agree 
The album For All We've Left Behind released earlier this past year in February. I remember approaching a year from uh, from the release of that album. When you think back of recording and creating that music, and now you mentioned you're you're creating something new now, you're working on a new album. Each album, in my opinion, for a band or an artist is kind of like a diary entry where where their thoughts are, where their head is at, where they are musically. Now when you're recording an album, where is the band growing? Where is the band evolving for, with their new music? So, I mean, to look at the debut album, it's an interesting diary entry in that it spans several years. When we got together and we the ideas started flowing, there was no there was no COVID. We didn't there wasn't that thing to anticipate. Um, so the the album was actually recorded in stages. So because of that, there's there's almost a subtle evolution that that we are aware of as a band but uh, you know as someone listening to the album that is the debut album as it stands so that's how we sounded when that album came out whereas actually for us there are there are songs that are recorded in a specific order and the evolution between those songs is 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 quite big um and a lot of that is down to how we how we work together um when we started when we started writing the album uh it would have been james on guitar scott on guitar and lee on bass um then they got me in uh, and then we got daff on drums um and you know daff is an incredibly irritatingly talented musician uh you know he's he's the youngest in the band he brings our he brings our average age in the band crashing down which is great for any biography but uh he's also incredibly talented and um so it wasn't until the latter songs on the album where he he'd been in the band a while but he you know as the youngest and what have you he he was not as keen to speak up and it wasn't until he really found his voice and his confidence and was comfortable in the band that he started to say, well, instead of this, you should, we should try this or changing arrangements or offering demos of his own, which, you know, irritatingly, he can just pull out of the air and he's got the guitar and the drums and the bass and he's recorded all the synths and everything himself. Uh, and it started to sort of pull the band in a slightly different direction. And, um, so the, the the sort of journey we've been on with album one into album two is that actually now, whereas initially the songs were, here's a demo that, that Scott has written. Let's, let's turn this into a, a full song. Now we've got songs that are, here's a, here's a riff that, that Scott's come up with. Here's, here's a drum fill that Daft's done. Here's some lyrical ideas that James has come up with. Can we, can we put these together? Does this work? There are, there are so many new uh, songs that are way more collaborative on this second album because of how we work now um, than there were than there were on the first, and it's. I think the results when it comes out will speak for themselves. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is for everyone else to decide. But um, we we are very at this stage. We're very excited about the progress we've made on album two. Um, and very keen to start playing songs out there live from album two, uh, because thanks to COVID, we've been 
working on album two since almost before album one dropped. Um, so that the evolution for us has been rapid because we've had that time to explore. And the same, you know, because of COVID, we had a lot of time to go back to album one and change things which we'd written before, which actually doesn't necessarily represent what we are now as a band. We, could go, we had that opportunity to go back in and tweak before it came out in February. Um, so we were quite lucky in that sense. You talk about the evolution within the album, you know, the debut album that you had and how it was recorded in stages. And now you're you're basically creating something new and it's relatively all at once or during a period of time that's that's recent. When you think of that first album into now, you know, what are some of the songs that you feel are really connected to this album in terms of sound, in terms of your evolution? Okay. I mean, there, for me, there are a few songs on the album that, that stand out for different reasons. Um, if, if I'm listening to it from a personal perspective, uh, there's a song on the album called The Divide, which is the first song which we released as a demo together when we first got together um, to sort of gauge public reception, see what people thought of, of how we were doing. Um, and it was the song which caught the ear of our producer for album one, which, uh, who was the legendary, uh, Dodesh, uh, sorry, Ramesh Dodangoda, um, who he, he just, we, we basically really scored there because he just finished working with, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, um, on Ammo, which trying, well, trying, you know, really transformed their career, um, not that they were doing badly before that, but you know what I mean? They suddenly went boom and were everywhere. Um, and he, he heard those first three demos that we put together, the divide being one of them and decided to give us some, some time in his studio to sort of pan out those ideas. Um, so the divide holds a special place in my heart, even though technically speaking, when you listen to it, it's the least like us on the album that the, that we are now because of how old that song is and, and the journey we've been on since we created what is the bare bones of that song. Um, I think in terms of where we're at, where we, where we got to through that journey, I think uh, maybe songs like Verity and Flames, which was the last uh, video we, we released uh, in November, you know, that's, that's a song that brings in a lot more of the electronic uh, sounds and a, a much more modern feel to the band than perhaps the divide uh, the divide had. Um, and this is this is certainly an area in which we we definitely found our, our our comfort zone. Our sort of this is this is this is exactly where we want to be right now, and this is how we want to sound as a band. Um, it gave us a lot of challenges in terms of how we take that sound loud, uh, live but uh, in terms of the album itself we definitely hit a groove with songs like Verity and Flames uh, Avarice those you know those two those two stand out as being definite songs that we were like these these two have got to be thrown up there so that we can show people actually we're capable of making this sound so please do listen to those and if you like them maybe check out the rest of the album but the album is very varied. Like I said before, it, 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 we don't, we don't focus on a single topic. 
I did uh, try and wind up our bass player earlier by telling him that I was going to come on the interview and say that this was a concept album and that we followed a story, but uh, it really does not. It really does not. There is, there are, there are songs that touch on all sorts of things. Um, and, uh, you know, James would, James would kick me if I didn't mention Black Days Come, which is the, the secret track on the album. It's not listed on the back of the CD, uh, which was a little bit of a nod to the fact that when we were younger, secret tracks were were a big thing you left that you left that record playing and then all of a sudden there was music that was not listed and it was like it was like discovering treasure like it was really exciting even if it was just 30 seconds of something played backwards or you know it it was like finding something that you knew that not many people have found and it, so we decided we we really wanted to have a secret track on our debut album uh so we put we put this song black days come at the end of the album and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that for me, it was the song that I didn't want on the album. I felt that it didn't fit with everything else. And it wasn't until we came up with the idea of having it as this sort of secret track, which removed it from everything else and made it its own being that I was like, actually, no, that's, that's a cool idea. And it's, it's very bluesy. It's, it's very grunge. It's very removed from the rest of the album. It's, it's a song that deals with lyrically similar themes like world weariness, exhaustion, but we counterpoint it with a really optimistic chorus. And I think the driver for that song was, was James who is just in love with Soundgarden and, you know, music of that era. And he wanted to write this, this love letter uh, you know, he always said when we were writing, he was like, no, this is this is going to be, you know, this is Black Days Come. This is going to be the sequel to, to Black Hole Sun or like, you know, these, these incredible tunes. He was like, I need to I need to write this song. I need to get this song out so that it's there for everybody. Um, and I'm glad we put it on in the end because, you know, it, it was really important for him. And I'm really proud of the song in its own in its own light, you know, and it was super exciting to be able to make a make a album in where we are now in, in 2022 and, and have a secret track, <laughs> even though you go on Spotify and it's listed right there. But when you buy the CD, it's hidden. When you, you mentioned about, you know, your sound and, and arriving at musically where you're at now is finding your sound still part of the journey or have you guys found it and it's more or less just building on it? I think it's a bit of both like obviously there's a, a nervousness when you release uh, an album and it's well received that whatever you're working on next needs to emulate or be very close to what was well received but I think that one thing that's played into our favor this time around is because we because of the lockdown periods that we had in the UK with COVID and, and whatnot and we started working on album two before album one was out we didn't have that nervousness about progression or, or it needs to sound more like these songs from the first album that were, that were the big hits because there were no big hits really at that point. Um, so it gave us the opportunity to start, just carry on with our journey from where we, where we left off without that knowledge of how it would be perceived, um, which is quite freeing in a way. Uh, we, you know, we, we've certainly, we certainly stumbled across a 
I hesitate to use the word formula because that makes it sound like our song is going to be formulaic, but they're, but we've certainly stumbled across a, a way in which we write songs, which works best for us as a, as a five piece. Um, but we are still bringing to the table new ideas as individuals and saying, well, could we maybe try this synth sound that we'd never dare go near on album one or, or this, you know, this guitar tone or this lyrical content that we would have turned our noses up at before. And I think that's, that's vital for a band uh, not to stagnate is to, is to continually push those boundaries and see what you can do next. That ultimately what I think worse than having an album that comes out and gets the same reception as album one would be to get the exact same reception as album one. That's not, that's not building. That's not learning. That's not growing. It's, it's just the same. I'd rather have album two come out and have however many people that buy it say it's not as good as album one, because at least for me, I know that that's the route we wanted to take. And the same with album one, when we put it out and we never expected people to want to come on the journey. It was always about what we wanted to write without wanting to sound arrogant. You know, we can't do it without people wanting to listen to it. But at the same time, we didn't write it because we wanted people to listen to it. We wrote it because it was the music that excited us. It was the the demos that came up that we enjoyed the most and wanted to work on. It was it was those songs that made the cut. And the same will happen with album two and is happening with album two. It's the songs that excite us. It's the songs that we feel represent us now. Uh, and hopefully they're the songs that resonate with everybody else. I think that's a great sense of freedom that, new emerging rock bands have that maybe their predecessors didn't because when you look back at you know rock history especially in the 70s 80s and 90s you know you release that debut album and if it hit you know you were expected to kind of release another album like that you know the record companies really had control of the artist and what they did and what they put out and how they put it out then there's the other side too, where they gave a bands, you know, they gave a band three albums to really kind of grow within them. Now, with the emerging rock scene, you can do things that excite you without interference, right? There's always got to be someone in the room that kind of brings you back maybe to reality sometimes, you know, because there are some artists that put out stuff because they've got their girlfriend and their mother in the studio telling them how great everything sounds. You don't want that. But you do want that freedom, that artistic freedom to do things that excite you. And I think even though rock music is is struggling and continues to, I think it's getting better. But I also think it, it's allowing the artists to, to be true artists and, and really put out the music that they envision without any interference. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's an interesting point to make about rock music struggling um, because I think that when you look at the narrative, rock music has, has has always been struggling and there'll always be the next the next wave of fans of rock music who will be so passionate about the bands that they love and the older rock fans will say rock is dead and it's it's not dead and it's not right there on the other end of the spectrum. It's, it's right. It's across the whole thing. And I think that makes part of the magic is that every time a rock band does, does good, does like, you know, releases something really impressive or, or really blows up, it becomes this underdog story, which no one, no one can help themselves, but fall in love with it each time. 
because this rock is dead narrative has always been there. And I think that's in a way it almost works in, in our favor in terms of our, the rock community, you know, the gigs you go to, there's always this sense of belonging because everyone there feels like they're going to be, Oh, this is the band that I love and no one else gets me because of it. And you go there and there's a room full of people who all get it. And it's in those moments that you find yourself and you realize that actually you're not, you're not on your own. And there are a whole room of people who feel the same way that you do. And I think that's the same for, you know, music, when you connect with those bands, when you connect with, with the audience, it's, it's about finding, finding your, your people, the people that you are most, most able to be yourself with. And uh, because of, because of the whole, rock is dead we're all the underdogs and we're all we're all on that on that journey to reach the top and i think it makes it more exciting uh when when bands do it, it's great to sit you know it's great to sit and watch bands that i've loved for a long time suddenly get there um you'll always get the the people who don't like them anymore because they're big which is you know i think we all go through a phase when we when we're younger that oh selling out oh whereas actually it's not it's not selling out it, selling out is if you definitely change to follow the money whereas if you get big because of the success of what you've done that's recognition and that's important for those artists and i i celebrate that rather than you know turning my back on them i'd i'd, I'd still much rather go see my favorite bands in an arena than turn my back on them and go see bands that i've never heard of in in the smallest clubs if if it's not music that I'm into, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I also think when you look at what corporate, you know, these big conglomerate record companies have done the pop music, have done the other genres of music. Once it gets into the mainstream, they, they ruin it. They, they take all the, the creativity out of it. Right. I mean, you know, pop music is essentially generated beats and, and auto tune the crap out of it. And, you know, rap music has become basically a clone after clone after clone. And do we want rock to be mainstream? Because if rock becomes mainstream, it'll turn to shit again. You know, we all know the corporate rock bands that are out there and there's nothing inspiring about them. You know, there's they're, they're just cookie cutter and they're just doing what a record company wants them to do. Well, that's not inspiring. That's not what rock and roll is all about. So I think even though it struggles in terms of market share of audience is probably the best way to define it. I still think rock is in a good place because of the freedom to create and the freedom to be who they are. Because once it goes mainstream, because people, people who like to clamor for it to be mainstream. And I used to be one of those people until I, you know, would have conversations with, people like yourself and other people in the industry, once it becomes mainstream again, that, that is over that creativity, that freedom to create is, is over because now everyone is on a contract and has to do, you know, with, with what they want to do. I, I spoke with an artist a couple months ago who had a major record deal and how do I say this without getting the artist in trouble? Cause it was off the record. Um, they wanted him to include a cover on the album of a major pop artist and he refused. And, uh, as a result, the album got shelved. Um, 
So, you know, there, 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 there's still that aspect out there of, of that control. When you do sign on the dotted line, you sometimes you're making a deal with the devil. We've, um, we've been very fortunate in our time as a band so far to have been offered several, um, contracts and, and we've turned them all down on the grounds that none of them were, none of them were catered for us. They were all, this band's doing okay. So if we snap them up now, we can potentially make some money here. Um, you know, one of the, one of the labels, which I won't name, uh, was, you know, they weren't based in, in the UK. They're based in Europe. So you, you might say that it's the fault of, um, being lost in translation. But the, the rec contract that they gave us literally had the word exploit written in it. Um, which, you know, we, there's no way you're going to sign on the dotted line and and there are bands that i love that are massive um that are putting out covers and i sometimes wonder whether or not that was something they wanted to do um you know a good example uh being love and death which is uh head from corn his side project who i think are an absolutely incredible band um the last album perfectly preserved that came out last year has got a a song on it called i think it's called don't don't give up don't you give up um or i won't give up something like that and i thought that song was awesome it's got lacey sturm who it was and now maybe is again the singer for flyleaf doing guest vocals on that song it's a fantastic tune and i thought it was one of the high points of the album and it wasn't until i got told by someone else down the line that actually that's a cover of some DJ so-and-so with featuring Justin Bieber. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. And I went and checked out the original song and I was like, this is, this is very middle of the road, forgettable pop music. And I think that comes back to what we were saying earlier about anyone can get themselves onto a playlist. Anyone can get themselves that, that pop hook and, and hopefully that one song will make, you know, make them a little bit of money depending on where they're streaming it or how it catches on. But, yeah, I don't, I don't ever see, well, I hope <laughs> Black Lakes don't ever get into that situation where we're, we're beholden to somebody else. We've been very careful about who we've worked with today because we really, we really care about every little thing that our name or our image is attached to. Um, and I, and I don't see that that changing i mean there are members of this band that are very uh very uh how well, how can i say this without offending anyone in the band they they find control very important in terms of making sure that as a brand we don't stray from from the path which uh which is important for us actually they're safeguarding us in a way because i know that it can be very, we've had members come and go and some of those members have been like, Oh, I just spoke to so-and-so about trying to get sponsorship. And, and it's why, like, we don't, that's not why we're doing this. We didn't, we didn't get into this to get free, you know, instruments or free shoes or, you know, we, we got into it because we had something we wanted to say and a love letter we wanted to write to all the bands that have inspired us over the years. Um, and like I said before, if people get into that, that's awesome. But, if money starts to dictate the direction of your creativity, then you've got a real problem. 
when can your fans, when can we expect new music from you guys? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, I mean, we have a bi-weekly uh, live stream we do on YouTube, which we call The Blacklist. Uh, and so far on The Blacklist, I think we've played maybe two demos from the new album. Um, I think the last the last one we played, we were all super excited about and uh, a couple of the guys weren't on the stream and I had a couple of drinks and I was like, I'm, pu- I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on. Uh, much to their disgust, they were like, I can't believe you played the, <laughs> the new, the new demo. But, um, so we do, we do sort of sneak stuff out every now and again on these live streams every other week. Um, but in terms of solid new stuff, um, I, I hope, I hope by summer of next year, we're, we're starting that that churn for the new album. Um, there's certainly songs that, that are definitely ready to go in terms of, we just need to get into the studio for real. Uh, we're just, we're out there right now talking to different people about who we work with producer wise for the new album. Um, but the demos themselves are, they're very exciting for us and we're really keen to share them with people. So hopefully, hopefully by summer of next year, we'll be out there putting out something new. Well, this has been a blast, man. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I've, I've had a great time. Um, you know, I, you may have seen me sipping down a few rums this evening. Uh, so I apologize if I get more and more slurry as the evening goes on. I'm, we got, uh, the, the album got, um, recognized today by a publication in the UK called, uh, Emerging Rock Bands as their oh, album right. of the year. Yeah. yeah and it, we, we were that album of the year this year they came, it came out the new the new edition came out today and they named this album of the year which in a year where so many like new bands have come out with so much incredible material uh to earn that is well i mean I, I, i've been buzzing all day it's been absolutely overwhelming and um so i thought i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a little celebratory drink even if i can't see the guys this evening and i will see them as soon as i can for for a few more drinks but um you know it's been an incredible year for us as a band and this has just really topped it off so i apologize if i get got a little bit uh slurry throughout the interview but i've been been desperate to get home (laughs) if there is a publication out there that does it the right way that leads by example in their passion and what they want to help accomplish with new bands it's emerging rock bands they do an excellent job they're great people i've had i've had them on the show um i think it was either earlier this year or late last year uh just a fantastic group yeah they're 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 great and they they do definitely do it there's no qualms about why they do it they do it for the love of these new emerging bands that are out there and it's it's just great to see I, yeah, I love them for it. I, you know, I've got the the pleasure of knowing a few of them um, and, and having worked with them a little bit in the past. And I, I just, I love that it makes them tick. I love that they genuinely do it because they love it and they've got this passion uh, for wanting to share it. You know, it's, it's really cool. It's really uh, refreshing. And I love that they've been doing so well. You know, they're, they're a team of volunteers who come together to create something which is at a higher standard than most of what goes out in you know Kerrang or Metal Hammer at the moment in terms of the journalism and the layout of the magazine it's just it's just fantastic to see it thriving like it is and and to be their album of the year is is an accolade which 
arguably is is more important to us than any of the the bigger bigger boys in the in the magazine world because actually they're the ones that, that care about bands like us and it's yeah a really a really awesome day <laughs> it is an awesome day man you guys should be proud of yourselves because like i said man those guys are genuine and those guys you know walk the walk and for them to select your album as album of the year in 2022 they do they do set the standard and that is um that's an awesome awesome thing for you guys yeah yeah we, we are literally lost for words blown away honestly everyone that's will preston from the band black lakes check out their album released earlier this year you will definitely enjoy it it's called for all that we've left behind you can find them on instagram and facebook are you guys on twitter too as well uh yeah i think we're at black lakes uk Go check out their album and uh, buy the physical copy, as we always promote. Stream it. That's great because they do need the streaming numbers. All bands need streaming numbers. But also, back that up. If you really like what you hear, go buy that physical copy. Go buy a T-shirt. Go buy some merchandise when you're at a show and uh, support them and support other new bands. Uh, Once again, I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of the Hook Rocks New Music Spotlight. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 